0: Hey guys, it's Sheree. This week's episode is a two-part series on virtual learning and a post-COVID education system. I hope you guys enjoy part one. Hello, my favorite people. Welcome to episode five of Hashtags and Hangups. I am excited because today I'm starting a really important conversation about our current education system and what it can look like post-COVID-19. Um, I'm being joined today by my friend Danielle Davis. Hi, Dee.
1: Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining me. (laughs) Thank you for having me today. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Oh, well, thank you. So Danielle and I have known each other for well over 10 years now and met through Mm -hmm. our mutual friend, Maya. Um, And in fact, the way I ended up inviting Danielle on the show today started with a conversation I was having with Maya last week. So um, she and I were on the phone. And somehow we started talking about virtual learning, probably one of the kids had just finished some, some stuff on, online. And so um, I was sharing how I think there's a lot of room for improvement in the virtual learning environment and how I think there's going to be some company that's going to be very innovative and is going to find a way to combine a virtual event platform with the e-learning platform right and find a way to combine it and just really blow this out of the water and as i'm sharing this maya kind of interrupts me and it's like yeah but eventually kids are going to go back to school and so when she said that i kind of I, I challenged her and i said yeah but i think the normalcy that we're used to pre-covid doesn't exist anymore right i think that when we get on the other side of it everything is gonna look a little different. And I think now is a good time to start thinking creatively across all industries and that education shouldn't be an exception to that. And so under that thought, I said, you know what? What if they just change, really shake up education? Maybe kids don't go to school Monday through Friday. Maybe they go to school Monday, Wednesday and Friday and on Tuesdays and Thursdays, they do virtual learning. And when I said that Maya was like, "Er." 22nd time now absolutely not right rightfully so i mean you guys have been thrown into this um e-learning experience over these last couple of months and let's be honest it probably isn't going as well as it could be and so as we were having this conversation maya calls danielle and and gets danielle in on on the talk to kind of share more of her thoughts and so I thought it would be really cool to continue that conversation here on the podcast so Danielle I want to throw it to you so that you can kind of talk about what your immediate thoughts were when Maya kind of shared what my (laughs) my crazy out-of-the-box idea was and how you reacted
1: Um, well first and foremost I think that you got the response um, from Maya Um, driven from a point of parents that homeschool their kids, right? They typically have a desire Mm -hmm. to do that. Right. And given the current, you know, climate um, or environment that we're in, i.e., you know, COVID-19, parents didn't, we didn't really get a choice. Mm -hmm. We didn't get the opportunity to evaluate, Right, the pros, the cons, the short term ramifications we didn't we didn't get that opportunity to do any of that, so it was kind of forced mm-hmm. um upon us versus it being like some type of like gradual like change management which you would have um with your you know your job right they they normally start phasing things in it's like a phased approach, right, and it's usually like communication around it. Whereas when, you know, this whole shift to these kids, our kids being home, it was like overnight. Okay, now, literally, (laughs) like literally now, you know, now in addition to juggling, you know, our jobs and parenting now, you know, to your point, we are, you know, having to facilitate um, classwork, right? Um, In addition to that, right, thankfully, Myself and I? we work from home um, for the past, you know, five plus years, right? So for us, it was um, may- maybe a lot easier because we were used to being home and then really only having, you know, the kids in the house with us, you know, during the summer months um, and breaks, right? But during, even with that, we're not having to really facilitate um unless it's just like more so just a um, extracurricular activity and then we just incorporate you know some type of um education and or learning into it um so that's i think um it's definitely been a challenge Mm -hmm. for me um and my son you know, everyone wants to think that their kids are advanced, but my my son, I'm, I'm thankful that he's pretty, uh, he is pretty advanced mm-hmm. in school and he already was in an environment where they were doing digital learning. So it wasn't too much of an adjustment for him to shift into a virtual environment because even within the classroom setting, everything is digitized okay. already. So my... Um, experiences has been a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the the challenge still remains. I'm now having to juggle having a kid here, right? Making sure he has six six classes, right? And having to juggle and make sure that he's getting all of his assignments done and making sure that I check um the portal and making sure that, you know, I'm up to date um with everything that's going on. And that that's that's that's, that's a lot to juggle yeah. when you're working full time and trying to juggle meetings with okay let me stop take a break i gotta go in there fix lunch and then i gotta you know go in there and check and make sure he's getting his assignments done so that was a lot so i'm gonna stop there (laughs) i'm gonna pause and yeah um, no
0: um and i get that and i wanna i And I shared this with you guys as well when we were chatting last week that um, I never want to come off as insensitive because I don't have kids and so my experience with this pandemic is vastly different than yours and Maya's and um, people who have husbands and kids and things of that nature because for me it's I get up in the morning and I, I work And then um, I can schedule my day and spread things out and am accessible until whenever. But if I want to drink a glass of wine and eat popcorn for dinner, that's my business (laughs) because I don't have to begin with uh, making sure that kids are learning and kids are eating. And so I definitely never again want to be insensitive to your experience when when I say that I think we should take this time to think differently um but i will say that my my uh impetus for even wanting to encourage that is i'm and you know this about me danielle like i care a lot about kids you know um mm-hmm. i love right. being an aunt and so my biggest thing is i want kids to all be afforded the same opportunities right and so when you look at the education system in this country, I think it's very glaring that kids don't all, it's not all created equal. Um, And so I think there's a lot of room for us to make changes and as difficult as this pandemic has been, I think now is a good time for educators to start the process of thinking differently and implementing some real changes. So um, that's where...
1: Well, I think that they probably are, right? But it, it it boils down to having the resources and support to put those things into motion, Yeah. right? Te- technology, you know, costs a lot, right? And then we don't really know, is that really the true answer? Because it's, it's like we're looking at, are we evaluating the disparity Mm-hmm. Um, as it pertains to um the, the types of education that our kids um are receiving, right are we just talking about twenty first century um learning like it 's it 's a couple of different things mm-hmm. um but I think you gotta the first thing we gotta address it it there is a huge disparity yeah right I mean if you live in a underprivileged you know neighborhood it's you're gonna get a low quality education. That's just that's just what it is, yeah. um, and it's unfortunate and it, it sucks, right? Um, whereas if you live in an affluent neighborhood, kids can probably go to public school. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. I, I think there's a couple of things that you know have to be addressed and tackled before you can even get to what you're speaking that's of. True which is, you know, the, um, if, if I'm understanding you correctly, um, the, us uh, you, you want, you think that this is a good opportunity for us to start thinking differently and implementing, um, as, are you saying just more technology or what is it? What is it that you're saying that you think
0: yeah, needs so to be
1: done differently?
0: I think um a lot of different things but to to be a little bit more specific i think first and foremost when you start talking about technology i think the internet is the is the great equalizer right so when you give someone the opportunity to have access to the internet you're kind of opening up a whole new world for them because that's that's an opportunity to learn more and so there's the idea of infusing additional technology um, also, which broadens your reach, right? But then there's also the conversation of just doing things differently in general. I will say that one of the things that hurts me, that, I, that pains me the most, I'll say that, is the fact that our education system is connected to um, property taxes. Like that blows my mind that to your point, and you've said this already, if you live in an affluent area, your public school is much better than if you live in one that is poor. And for us to be the country that we are, to have such disparities in education experience is so disheartening. And you can look at other countries, I remember, looking at a, a YouTube video of schools in Finland and how the teachers there basically said, no, the neighborhood school is the best school. You don't move because every school in the area is a good school. Versus I remember, um, I mean, you live in South Atlanta. And so your son goes to a private school. And then Maya grew up in East um, the east side in Stone Mountain and now she lives in Buford because she wants her kids to be able to go to a public school and I just think it's so sad that the area schools aren't guaranteed to be good and so when you are now now that we're forced to learn differently due to COVID-19 I think it's shining a light on how much of a disparity we have and so in my opinion it should almost force everyone to say what can we do differently because this is ridiculous
1: um all right so then let's start at the beginning right because the first statement that you said was um i guess it. you know you you don't understand why the uh, the the funding for mm-hmm. schools are tied to property taxes, right? So if you look at the affluent area, right? Affluent areas, you have more homeowners, mm-hmm. right? Homeowners pay property taxes, right? Not renters, right? But homeowners um, do. So there's, there's more resources and more funding that's going into the schools. So they probably can take their students on field trips and expose them um, to different, you know, different things. Uh, they probably have a better, uh, digital, um, or virtual infrastructure already, um, in place. Right. Mm-hmm. Even down to the food <laughs> that their kids yeah. are served is probably a lot healthier. Um, have probably has more nutritional content. I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I, I my son doesn't attend, those those fluid schools here. Uh, well, public schools here. So I, I can't attest to that. I'm just assuming. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, But if we go down that path of the property taxes, like how else would schools be funded if it wasn't attached to property taxes? Where would the funding come from?
0: And I think that's one of the places to start thinking differently. I don't know. I don't know that I um, know the answer to that, Um, but I would say that the current system is broken. Because basically the way it's currently set up is if I'm poor and you're telling me that I have to go to a poor school, how do you ever make it out?
1: Well, um, there's a couple of things, right? It's, at some point, right, as parents, um, the school... the, the I don't I don't know that that's just up to the school's responsibility, mm-hmm. right? For you to say, if I'm poor, how do I ever make it out? Because there are a lot of people that came from the hood and still did, did extremely well, Absolutely. still made something of themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I would say that that onus is on the school or that the two, you probably maybe have a, 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 a um, smaller or lesser likelihood potentially, Mm -hmm. I don't know, but at some point too, I think there's some individual accountability. There are a lot of people that do make it. Absolutely, yes. Out of the hood, you know, just because you're poor, you grow up poor and you go to a poor school doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have the opportunity Mm -hmm. to be successful, but you got to have that innate drive. Right. And and desire. But I understand where you're going with that, right? Because you do have a a lesser chance Mm-hmm. as opposed to the kids that um are in the affluent neighborhoods and environments so
0: yeah yeah and i think um to your point yes i think there are there are certain people that it doesn't matter what environment you put them in they're going to succeed right there are people that just are not going to settle for anything less Um, and it could be that their parents are very influential in in helping raise them that way Um, it could be that maybe they came across a mentor that helped them or it could just be Mm -hmm. that they say I don't want my circumstances to stop my potential
1: and so those
0: kids I think are going to be fine no matter what but I do think about the child who could go either way right and almost needs uh, you know the the child whose mom is working two jobs to keep food on the table um and maybe whose dad isn't around or maybe both parents are but they both are working so much that they're basically the child is basically left to almost raise themselves because they have to survive right so it's that child that um i'm more concerned with and who could if not pay if not given the proper attention could go in a different direction when the truth of the matter is, is that if we found a way and again i don't necessarily have that solution um but if we found a way to more equally or to, found a way to ensure that the school systems were more equal um At least they would know and granted, it doesn't necessarily mean that every child is going to take advantage of opportunities that are given. But they can at least say they knew about them.
1: Um, I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't don't know. I wouldn't say that I agree or disagree it just is that this this topic is just so so broad of a topic in conversation right i guess it just it really depends on what it is it's almost like what came first the the chicken or the egg wow. <laughs> type of a scenario right mm-hmm. um because you know remember earlier we started off with the topic of you know them having kids having three days at home and then two virtual mm-hmm. days or something like that. And I remember, you know, that's when me and my were like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Heck no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Cause you got to want to do that as a parent. That's a, that's, that's a huge commitment. Right. As a parent. Mm-hmm. Right. And then even if they did offer that, like, how, where does the funding come from to mm-hmm. be able to offer that? And, and what if parent, you know, that may not be the best for every 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 kid you know um it may not be the best environment you know so i I don't i don't know
0: yeah Um, so going going back to that idea of saying um they're on three days and off two, and and by off meaning they're they're learning virtually um i i threw that out there and again saying not that that was the solution but it was a creative thought, and saying that um, that means that if the educational system changes, it forces other industries to change as well. And recognizing that it's a starting point, knowing that there are a lot of logistics that would go into making something like that come to fruition. And so whenever I start or whenever I'm challenged to think differently and this is a conversation that you know I work in events and so we we've had to do that because we can't do in-person events right so it's now time to start thinking differently and by no means am I trying to compare the two but I think when we are tasked with finding a way to come up with different solutions. I think a lot of times we stifle our creativity when we first ask, well, how's it going to be paid for? And um, what are the time constraints behind it? And so I would challenge us to look at education differently. And I think it's important to start this conversation early, which is why I think um, I was excited to continue this conversation on the podcast because something like that and reimagining education will take a long time. But um, I think you're a logical person, and it makes sense that your first question is well, who, so who's paying for it? And I get that. But my next question to you though would be, Danielle, what if money were no object? What does education look like?
1: It's just not the reality of what it, it what it is and it's never been that way and it probably won't yeah. ever be that way. Um, unfortunately. <laughs> Here in the United States. Not that we will ever see. Yeah. Y- you know, uh we you know, I we'll probably never see that. Um but it's still it's just more than just the money it's it's just, it's the mindset mm-hmm. um remember it's it, you know it your education is not just solely impacted just what you get in the classroom setting you know if you don't have that support system within the community within your your parents um i, I don't I don't know that money would just be the, the be all end all answer
0: right well Good and, and that. I, I challenge you or i said this to you guys too when we were talking um last week i said yeah but three months ago um no one imagined that this is the world that we would be living in and so when we're looking at it behind the lens of what normal looked like before COVID 19 i think Imagining a re or, or having a reimagined education system is almost impossible to do. But I think, if nothing else, this pandemic has shown us that the world could change in a moment's notice. And so it's that spirit that I am encouraging us to think differently when it comes to education. Um and so I totally understand that because I don't have the solution either, especially when you start talking about who's paying for it. Which I think is what we find happens with a lot of politicians.
1: Because I I mean, but it's it's I guess where I'm coming from when you when you challenge the status quo, you know, if you will, and you say we have to think differently, I think people are thinking differently. That that isn't the that isn't the real issue at hand. Okay. Right? People are thinking differently. Um, it's just where does that money come from
0: right.
1: to be able to execute on those ideas, right? And to make that happen, who funds it? Where does where does where does those resources come from? Look look at how much teachers get paid. Oh yeah, now that is a who. That's <laughs> a terrible disparity, right? And it's, so it goes down. You know, those teachers they're not doing it for the money. They are they they teaching because they're passionate. They, they love teaching kids. Education was my first major, mm-hmm. and I changed it because I said, oh, this is definitely, this is a passion-driven um, type of a career. You got to really genuinely be vested in these, in these kids, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and wanting to see them genuinely succeed, and you got to be genuinely passionate about impacting people's lives, you know, in that, in that capacity. So I'm, I'm definitely a firm believer, you know, in education. I make the sacrifice to send my son to private school. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm thankful that God has provided a way for me to be able to do that. But I I do think that we are thinking differently. I just, I think it's a deeper conversation of where, where does that money come from (laughs) to put that into work? Because that's why kids pay, parents pay for their kids to go to private school so that they can't, like, like I said, my son, they've been operating um, digitally. So the only difference is now they just operating from their house instead of in the classroom, but everything was already digital. Now it's just virtual. Gotcha.
0: So, so as we are um, preparing for what this long-term scenario looks like, because of course they're considering that maybe there's gonna be a second outbreak in the fall. Um, And some states are extending stay-at-home orders, some states are beginning to lift. Um, When we get on, let's fast forward the time, and now it's August and um, schools are beginning, or the academic school year is starting What do you think it's going to look like? And then also, um, what is your optimum experience if for some reason we can't go back to a traditional experience where kids are back in school? Like, what is it that you would like to see happen um, both at your son's school and then just also um, domestically all, all over? What? what would you think would be the solution for making sure the experience is a little better than what you've had these last couple of months?
1: Um, From my lens, right. I I can only speak from my perspective for, for me, the challenges has been having to balance. Now I'm, I'm working full time and now I'm having to facilitate the, Um, classroom or or teaching. I'm having to facilitate that right um, throughout the day. And so that's that's the challenge right there. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That is the challenge for me because it's a lot, you know, and then I'm used to it just being me home working. Now I have a whole kid who's here and I just have one. What about those parents who have two or three? What about those parents that have to go back to work You know, what about those parents that are nurses and don't, you know, don't can't nurse from, from home. Right. Right. You're, you know, you're out in that environment, you know, Um, in addition to that, I'm really more so concerned about those kids who are already struggling academically and are already behind. So what you're going to see is just a huge um, disparity between the kids. And those are the kids that are going to be impacted and hurt the most in the long run are the ones who are already struggling already, being in a classroom yeah. environment, and having having teachers right there to help to help them. In addition to that, I'm not in a position. I can't help my son with algebra yeah. and calculus right i mean the teachers they jump on that zoom bridge and they essentially they just they facilitate the assignment you know for 10 or 15 minutes and then the kids are just really pretty much on their own for the rest of the hour
0: yeah yeah it's tough so um i think we can probably agree on the idea that it will the The disparities that we already have are probably just going to maybe get even it's gonna
1: widen larger. it's yeah. gonna widen yep yep that's just, that's what you're gonna see yeah man, and that's the, the real problem that has that needs to be addressed
0: yeah i I agree there, and again, I think now, and I hope that more people are having this type of conversation right because um if we don't start at least saying okay there's a problem here how let's at least start talking have we started talking about solutions and how we can solve them and by no means um that's not that's not my field of expertise um i don't know anything about crowdfunding and like politics and tax and any of that but um at a bare minimum i hope that our, our government is starting to have these conversations because we got a problem. Houston, we have a problem.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. I would agree with you there. Um, yeah. You know, all we, all we can, do, you know, we, we're, not, we're not experts, right. right? So, you know, all we can do is hope that our, our superintendents and the folks that are in the leadership seats are having these dialogues Mm -hmm. and, you know, putting together, um, some type of a plan because this is the new normal and I don't see it, you know, shifting anytime soon. And we do have to be prepared in the event that, um, our kids can't go back to school physically in August. Yeah. And that is a real reality, you know, so.
0: It really, really is. Well, thank you so much, Danielle, for taking the time to um, chat with me about this. I think we've, we talked about a lot and hopefully this conversation is helping to spark conversations amongst other friend groups. So for those of you who are listening, if you want to get in on this conversation, please hit me up on Facebook or Instagram at hashtags and hangups and let me know what your thoughts are. Tell me how you and your family are coping through this um, digital learning phase and you're now juggling working full time and facilitating learning at home. Um, Because again, I think it's just a very important conversation to have. And the more we have it, the more ideas will come out of it. And there's going to be somebody that finds a way to help um, I guess lessen the gap between the haves and the have-nots, because that's, that's kind of where we are with it. But um, again, thank you so much, Danielle. I really, really appreciate you joining me today. Okay.
1: All right. Well, thank you, ma'am, for the invitation. Um, I've enjoyed the conversation. Um, so yeah, thank you again right. for having me.
0: Awesome. Awesome. All right, guys. Part two um, is going to drop on tomorrow, where we'll be talking with um, a founder and executive director of our charter school based out of Indianapolis. So um, I will chat with you guys soon.
1: Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye.